Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. Tough enough to come with a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty. Warning, the following show contains nudity and adult content. Ian Collins wants a word. Surprised at the thought of nothing new. This podcast has been crap since episode two. With voicemail roulette and size show fluff is the crappy stuff. And now you've got a podcast with nothing in it except for Ian and Kev. They're a pair of tits. Talking shit. Yeah, thanks for that, Hanson. You know nothing, Canadian shitbag. <laughs> what does he know? <laughs> he may be right. What now. does he know? Seriously, but he could be right. We don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, genuinely, we don't. Better than that song, that's for sure. Yeah, well, are you entering Canada's Got Talent next year? He probably will. It's the only country that doesn't actually have that show. Did you know that? Is that right? Because they can't find any <laughs> talent. It's as simple as that. William Shatner's Canadian. He's talented. So is Jim Carrey. There you go. Who mm. else? Michael J. Fox? Met Jim Carrey once. Did you? Yeah. Because you know that uh, Danny wrote that book, Yes Man, which yeah. did very well. It was turned into a film, and then Carrey was in the film. So I went along. To, I got invited to the premiere, because oh. obviously one of the characters in the film plays me. Yeah. Bradley Cooper plays Collins. It's amazing. It is an amazing fact. It is. It's an uncanny likeness as well. It really is. It is, yeah. So they often say Bradley's got a bit of the Collins about him, I think the phrase goes. And uh, so Kerry was there, yeah. And his uh, intro words were, man, it's f***ing freezing. <laughs> That's all he really said. Is he coming in? Is he going to bring today alive? Who, Kerry? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, he's not coming in because we not. don't have a guest. No one's coming in. We, we have no features. We have no guest. We nope. have no features. Nope. We have nothing. Nothing at all. This is not laziness on our part. Oh, no. This is a once-a-word experiment. <laughs> You're a once-a-word experiment. You're a once-a-word c- <laughs> Well, I'm never about to argue with that, am I, really? <laughs> there you go. In a month of Sundays. Uh, the idea behind this, I mean, there is a degree of hard work been put into this, of course. There is, a, <laughs> yeah. there is an underpinning philosophy behind what we're doing. Because for the last week or so, via uh, Facebook, Twitter, and adult friend finder, <laughs> oh, yeah. Match.com, mm-hmm. we've been asking, uh, to just send us links and one-word subject suggestions, and we'll chew them over and see what we get. That's the idea behind it. Yeah, because a nice thing about doing a podcast, unlike a sort of daily radio show, is yeah. that you don't have to stick to the same format. We did the road trip. We just yeah. went off and got in a car and had lots of fun. That was last year. Give it a listen if you haven't already. So we just thought we'd put it out there, and if you've got a subject, suggestion, or a link to a story, we'll take them out the box, and we'll come to that in a second. It's impressive, isn't uh, it? It's very good. And uh, we'll just chat, see what happens. We did, I did mention Tom Bowler, you see. Tom Bowler of Joy. You did. A lot of people got very excited. We're going to whip out the old-fashioned Tom Bowler, the sort of thing when you went to a jumble sale at school, uh, you'd win a tin of old knackered Spam or a tin <laughs> of peaches, and you thought it was amazing that you did so because your corresponding raffle ticket was stuck to said tin of produce. Yes. And as you say, the ticket you pulled out of a drum. Yep. I know you were expecting a bit of manual drummage going on today. I was but expecting to crank a handle. If, if I lean over here to the big box, yep. I've wrapped it up specially for you. Let me just get this wrapping off yep. it. Hello. 
I scoured car boot sales up and down. Well, I went to one car boot sale and I found this. It's the Coleco Electric Tombolatron 2000. It was released in 1979. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, described here as the futuristic tombola drum for all ages. Is that right? Yeah. And effectively, you switch it on like this. And then it spins round. And instead of having to lift out something. Turn that down a bit. I know. Okay. But it will just print out. Uh, the subject. So I'll be fed in and it prints it out. It's an amazing bit of technology for 1979. I so think all the agree. subjects we got have been fed into that already. Oh, yes. The team have been doing this. Yeah. And then, what, we just press that and one pops out. That's exactly it. On like a teleprinter, by the looks of it. It's a bit of dot matrix. I think it's a one What the f*** does that mean? It doesn't mean you anything. must remember dot matrix printers. It's you a went, film, wasn't it? You must have had a dot matrix printer. If Keanu Reeves ever turns the cast of EastEnders, that'll be the name of his wife. <laughs> oh, hello. And tonight on EastEnders, Dot Matrix gets f***ed by Pat. <laughs> what a nice image to start the show. Isn't it? Yeah. So what, we're just going to do a few of these and see what happens? Is I, that a... I think we'll see what happens, yeah. Okay. Shall we fire up the Tombolatron 2000 from Coleco, futuristic fun for all ages, and see what happens? Let's do it, Sideshow. Uh, here it is. It's Miles, who says, Is Ed Miliband a... Quack, quack, oops. <laughs> yes. Kev, you have a go. Let's try this one. Arn suggests the decline of manners. That's good. There's something that does actually come up quite a lot, because people are just f***ing rude these days, frankly. And, um, you know, I, I like to think you and I, or, well, me at least, were brought up well to respect people and manners yep. and be polite All and say please and thank you. And yet, and I'm not even talking about kids, actually. Kids at least have got an excuse for being younger. Mm. Talking about grown men and women who are just ignorant. We of interviewed other a councillor the other day on the LBC show, and this fella was on because they're going to be one of the first councillors, not the first, one of the first, who's going to give their litter patrol. You know these merchants who fine you. Not, not that anyone's ever met anybody that's been fined for much like you've never yeah. met anybody who's been questioned by family fortunes. It's, it's a similar deal. This guy uh, has implemented new rule. The litter people are now going to be able to find people who spit as well as people who drop litter. Well, I mean, firstly, good luck with that, because you're likely just to get a greenie in your fizz on, <laughs> you? attempt to get out your fining pad. But nonetheless, uh, this guy, he's absolutely sure about it. So we did this as a sort of a, a side-dish phone. It wasn't like a big phone. We just put it out there, you know, good idea, bad idea. And the amount of people, I was expecting an unequivocal response. Everybody would clearly say, yeah, throw the bloody book at filthy, bad-mannered people who spit. And in fact, don't make it 80 quid, make it 800 quid. And in fact, it was sort of the reverse. People said, well, come on, it's not exactly murder, is it? It's just spitting. It's like, hang on a second, what are you, peasants? And and others were more offended by the idea that the state would have an implementation of a rule. Of course, you know, you could solve all crimes by having Singapore systems. Mm. That's offensive to some. But spitting's like just nasty, isn't it? Because it carries disease and... TB. Tony Blackburn. He had it. Did he? (laughs) Yes. That explains the hair. I don't even know what that means. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> yeah. He's a very nice man. We you love know. you, Tony. Is he coming on the podcast? Yeah, he'll be on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm afraid to ask him. Looking forward. Well, you are now, yes. You know, a lot of railway stations, you remain on the concourse, for example, and you wait for your platform. So the concourse? Concourse. Okay. You wait for the platform to sort of pop up, and then you go to your platform because yep. it can vary and all that kind of thing. The number of people, when you're standing there, just sort of like, 
push past you to get through or yep. walk. Maybe maybe it's just me and they don't like my face. Could, but could be that. Just say excuse me and smile. Don't just push through. It's ignorant. It's yeah. rude. The other one. Here's, here's one on manners as well. And this is often people you work with. People who say hello to you just by raising their eyebrows. Where do you stand on? And there there are some people, and you know exactly the kind of people that I mean. When you go into work, let's say you've come in, you've seen these people less than 12 hours ago, broadly, and they greet you on this new day like they haven't seen you for about four months. And you hi, how are you? And you have to do the same sort of introduction all over again and get into a conversation. That's a little bit tiresome. I know they're just being friendly, and I'm probably a Mm. grumpy old bastard. There's a class thing in this as well, because in, I would say, mostly working class parlance, it might be a, all right, that only requires a very quick answer. Like, yeah, fine. You? Yeah, fine. End off. Yeah. When somebody loads the question with, how are you today? There is an expectation that you've got to sort of give a monologue of some sort. Yes. It's a far greater question. Yeah. And slightly too big for the event. Mm-hmm. The other one I don't like um, is you're welcome after somebody's given you. So here's this. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Mm. You don't need to thank you finish, is it? I don't need a you're welcome. God. <laughs> You're welcome. Am I welcome? Yes, you are welcome. That could just go on forever. The other lot of people that are very rude, and we had this just the other day. Have you ever lost a ticket in a car park when you've got to pay the full rate? No. Well, I did this once. In a just, down- now, it surprises me if it was just the once, because <clears throat> on occasion, a little bit scatty, Mr. Collins, a little bit, you know. Scatty? What are you talking about? Well, you know, just a tiny bit. What are you talking or- about? Organisation in the past has not been a strength. I don't know where you get that from. I'm the most organised man in the world. My life is run like a government department. So what you mean. Yeah, exactly. So you go into those places. And once I lost the ticket in one of those car parks where it's you have to pay the full day rate and it was down in the centre of London. The full day rate was therefore 45 quid. I was in the car park for 20 minutes. So that was infuriating. Yeah. However, when you tell somebody uh, that they're going to have to pay 45 pounds, never ever deliver that news while texting your friend <laughs> or looking as if you couldn't give a fig about anything. You know, what you would say to the customer is, mate, I'm really, really sorry about this, but unfortunately, you're going to have to pay £45. Uh, but don't worry, because you can, if you really want to, get the CCTV footage. I can't punch it up now, data protection and all that. But you can, if you want to, appeal it and get you know, maybe get your money back. That's yeah. how you should say it. Yeah. Not £45 while texting. You don't do that. No. You don't deliver that kind of... You don't request... Even Dick Turpin said, f***ing, please. <laughs> you don't request that kind of cash. Did he, though? Did he? Probably it's <laughs> you know, a nice thought, He was a highwayman. Yes. Richard, I like that idea. Richard O'Sullivan was Dick Turpin. Do you remember that series? He was, yes. Yeah. That was... I used to love that. Mm. But Richard O'Sullivan was on... He was like a huge TV star, and now he's like... He's a bit knackered, isn't he? Is he still with us? I think he is, yeah. Is he not in a, a kind of a home for retired I, actors? I believe something? so, yeah. Yeah. There are varying reports as to how how mentally prepared he is. On a day-to-day okay. basis, but apparently he's mm. he's not as bad as photos in the Daily Mail might suggest. Paula Wilcox, who was one of the girls in Man About the House, is a really busy actress. She's in all manner of things. Yeah, she was just like a head with a giant pair of eyes on it, wasn't she? Was, she? Yeah, she was. And Sally Thompson, of course, uh, of the Railway Children fame. And she used to go out with Richard O'Sullivan. Sally Thompson? Yeah, she did. did she? For a while, yeah. When she was in the Railway Children, she was playing the part of like a 13-year-old, but she was 17. Right. So apparently they should sit there with a vodka and a cigarette. <laughs> they go, action, oh my God, down it would go. And off she'd, uh, she'd go. How about you uh, shuffle over there and rip another one off? Okay. Oh dear. Thank you. Here we go. 
Uh, this is Neil in Manchester. Uh, here's one for your Tom Bowler, you pair of dinks. Uh, can you talk about why it's only small insect-like creatures that metamorphosize into other creatures like caterpillars and butterflies, but never large ones? Wouldn't it be great if little puppies like spaniels suddenly morphed into pterodactyl-like creatures? Not really. We'd all be f***ing dead, you thought. <laughs> Are you sick? What a strange thing to ask anybody. I do like the idea, though, of miniature creatures. Yeah. Now, if you could buy a miniature giraffe that was the size of a spaniel, we'd all have one of those, wouldn't we? Imagine those mooching about the place. How would you keep it? Put it in a kennel with, like, a really tall roof? or well, It wouldn't have to be that tall. It was miniature. Well, how do giraffes sleep in? Even a giant giraffe, does it, like, put its neck down to sleep? Or does it sleep with its neck in the air? I think it sleeps... <laughs> with its neck in the air. With its head on the pavement. Just I think it actually puts its head up its own arse. Does That's it? That's how it sleeps, yeah. Would you like to know an amazing fact? Go on. Fuck! Giraffes can't vomit. That makes sense, because the vomitation technique would take a lot of um, sort of anti-gravity activity, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you would ho- you would kind of hope that they could vomit, but it would never go all the way. it just get halfway up, and go, whoop! Oh, they well, they make up again. for it with dribbling, don't they? It's yeah, they do dribble. dribble a lot. Well, that's the thing, then. With your, your pet tiny giraffe... What would you call it? Cross between like a giraffe and a poodle. A geroodle. Or a piraffe. <laughs> Edith piraffe. You're going to be cleaning up dribble. You're going to have to find yeah. somewhere for it to live. It's going to be basically useless as a pet because it's not going to like run after a ball or but anything. You watch those programmes and, man alive, I mean, they've got, you know, f- folk keep monkeys like... I mean, you've got to be careful with those. You can't keep a chimpanzee. You'll have your face off, as that woman I well, yes. discovered. I mean, they're a mean bit of kit, but, you know, people... <laughs> a mean bit of kit. They really are. Your chimp is not... I interviewed Johnny Morris once. I asked him... I remember he... this. Yeah. Yeah. I said, do you live with monkeys? He went, no, because he was pissed. Yeah, time. he was. Yeah. And he went, no, of course I don't live with monkeys. They'd wreck your f***ing <laughs> house. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. It was live. That was the funny thing about it. <laughs> he loved it. What would you have? Miniature, a miniature animal, miniature animal, like a miniature elephant. How cool would be a, a miniature elephant the size of a cocker spaniel? That'd be brilliant. A miniature elephant would be okay, but I mean, it's still going to be. It's, it's going to weigh a bit more than a chihuahua, isn't it? I would have thought so. And again, what? I mean, it might chase a ball around. I suppose. Might fly. He threw it off a roof. I'm phoning the RSPCFA, the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Fictional Animals. Let's whip another one off. Okay. Uh, this is from Muller Heavy, the trucker in Luton. It's a wonderful yoghurt. Who says, I was reading a story that in Portland, Oregon, they hold an annual dog kissing contest where owners have to be licked and kissed by their pet pooch. In exchange, they hope for $100 worth of pet shop vouchers. Do you think this is a great example of man's bond with the canine world or an act of perversion from trailer park dog botherers? This is a very valid subject. He did send a link to this, by the way. The competition does exist. Right. It's a proper competition where you go along with your dog um, and your dog kind of licks your face. Because some dogs just love to... I mean, usually a dog is on lipstick detail Mm. down there gorging at its own pencil. But once in a while... And then they come up and decide to kiss you. It's an act of... It's a bit weird. You shouldn't... I've got a dog. You can't really let the dog kiss you. I mean, our dog doesn't really... Do that. You don't do that. Oh, blub 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 thing that people do. No, no. Do with you dogs. Cut, you give the dog a cuddle and a, a, you pet the dog and you stroke the dog and all the rest of it. Have you ever given the dog a bone? <laughs> I've given the dog lots of bony o's. Okay. And 
But the dog, you know, there's no way around it. You know, once in a while you'll be sitting there watching the telly, you look down and the dog is eating its own sphincter. <laughs> it's what they do. It's like being a dog. So there's no way you want to start kissing that. And just because it happened the day before doesn't mean to say that the, you know, arse remnants has gone away. We've seen via Twitter, you do give your dog a thorough cleaning every now and then, like baths oh, absolutely, yeah. and so on. Right up the tail. But cats, on the other hand, don't seem to get baths. They seem to just be allowed to lick themselves. What I hate water don't they yeah but even so you i mean it would make sense because otherwise it's it's effectively just covered in germs isn't that's it? A, that's an act isn't it the cat do you remember the incredible journey the film the incredible journey which i think was one of those you know when disney made films sort of for children i think it was in that category it was a labrador and a cat oh i know the one you mean that yeah. went on a journey yeah was it incredible it was fucking amazing <laughs> And at some point, a porcupine fired darts into the dog's face. Right. Much like, remember the Pit Pony film where the Pit Pony gets blown up in the pit? <clears throat> no. Another Walt Disney classic. <laughs> they love churning out those animal abuse films. Yeah. Yeah, in this, I think the cat had either drowned or it nearly drowned because it hated water. They just hate water. I don't know what it is. People always say, oh, the cats are so clean. They're always cleaning themselves. No, they're not. They've never had a shower. All right, then. But back to dogs. This means if you have your sort of your wandering, helpful, minstrel-style dogs, like Lassie and the Littlest Hobo. You never see them having a bath or a shower, and Lassie was in pretty good nick. That's because there were 32 of them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. They'd all been, you know, nicely brushed and things. Now, within yeah. the confines of the story, Lassie is meant to be this sort of, like, wandering dog with no owners who meets a little boy and, you know, little boy's sad at the end of the so film. So, in fact, Lass- Lassie should be full of fleas. La- Lassie should just effectively look like a... A giant ginger and white knot with legs. But um, the littlest hobo was like a German shepherd thing or something. The shorter fur, easier to maintain. Lassie is like this proper sort of spectacular beast. Never seems to get into any hassle. Sort of a Bear Grylls of the (laughs) dog world, really. I guess so. Because it could do anything. And interesting, if you pay Bear Grylls enough money, he'll also walk around with his... (laughs) (laughs) I interviewed Bear Grylls a couple of years ago before he was sort of that... Right. Well known, really. And then it turned out, didn't he get rumbled for... Not really being a bear. <laughs> no, didn't he get rumbled for, um, or his TV show, for setting up some scenes that, uh, I mean, he was doing that kind of, you know, it's late at night, I'm in the Canadian woods, and, you know, oh, my God, there's a bear fight taking place outside my tent, but it was a couple of the crew. I mean, clearly this is film for television, and, you know, they always have to use a little bit of licence. But, you know, i never known a man catch so much... And, you know, he's got a, here's a frog. I'm going to stab it up the throat with a stick. And he's become Australian. (laughs) So there it is, mate. Simon Bates will be along in a minute. Now I've got the stick. I'm called Bear Grylls. (laughs) Here's one from Bear, who just says, Simon. Not a (laughs) going down in the forest. (laughs) Can't find the natterjacks anywhere. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000-mile five-year warranty. In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. From Bondo. Bondo suggests, James Bond, is it a code name? What do you mean, is it a code name? It's a spy for You must know this theory. There's this assumption that James Bond is the same guy, there's just lots of different actors. 
But there are people who also believe, because it's taken place over such a long period of time, that the name James Bond is a name given to a spy who is denoted 007, but it's actually a whole bunch of different guys. Hence, why you have, like, you know, Judy Dench can be M, and then you've got Bernard, what's his name, who's M. Yeah. How he can sort of be across all of these, I mean, I personally think it's bollocks, but he can be across all of these different eras as the same character in theory, but actually he's a different person who takes on the mantle of James Bond. And there is one bit in the George Lazenby film which gives the conspiracy nuts credence on this, although it's kind of a crap conspiracy theory. I don't see Alex Jones doing a James Bond special. Oh, you never know. He has a gun. George Lazenby turns to the camera at one point and says, this never happened to the other fella, thereby suggesting that he isn't the same person as Sean Connery's James Bond. Now, it was most probably a joke. Like, ha ha, look at us. The audience will like this. But what a strange thing to do in retrospect. That is a very strange thing to do. Sorry, I'm still caught up with the idea of Alex Jones being James Bond. (laughs) Are you the Taliban? (laughs) You don't exist. You were just in... (laughs) Maybe you do. You've seen the last Bond movie? No, not yet. Check out the theme tune. I think Adele should be talked about a lot over that theme tune and given loads of awards. Do you? Yeah. On account of how excellent it is. On account of how she started to get right on my tit end. <laughs> Good God. I mean, I don't mind a bit of Adele, but she's Adele, you know, it's... Yeah. She's all right. She's all right. She's a good singer, nice songwriter. But, you know, we previous to Adele, we had Dido. Previous to Dido, we had Elkie Brooks. <laughs> wow, that's quite a gap. Yeah. For 20 years, f*** all happened in music. <laughs> well, that could be about right, you know. I, I just, I find it very, very odd that there becomes, like so many things in the media, that there becomes a kind of, if you like, an irredeemable tipping point. So Adele pitches up with, you know, a nice kind of ballad and about the fact that some bloke dumped her, so I'm going to, you know, record an album about it. And lots of songwriters have pulled on that experience. I don't have a problem with her for that but then somebody decides she's really really good and then tells everybody she's really really good and then another group of people say oh wow they're saying she's really good we better say she's really really good and then everybody else decides to agree that she's clearly really really good and then it gets to a point where people are too embarrassed to say they don't think she's really really good Mm. and then the rest of the media realize that this girl could be big and if she's going to be big we've got to be totally on side and the only way to be on side is to say she's really, really good. So the Guardian and the Times and all the newspapers, and FHA, GQ, Enemy, all of those, they all say she's really, really good. And then everybody reads it in those papers and because they want to be called to be associated with those newspapers and magazines. They say she's really, really good. And then the newspapers do a whole story of how everybody thinks she's really, really good. And at that point... It's the Triangle of Death! <laughs> That's from Mike Higgins. Shall we do another one? Thank you, Mike. Love your work. This one's from Lucy in Cardiff. Oh, Lucy. Who says, I noticed the boss of Iceland said he thought it was stupid to look for horse meat in food, claiming that if we do this, we might as well start searching for hedgehog. Hello. He really said, well, what sort of fuss? Looking at horse meat, might as well... Why are we searching for horse meat? Might as well search for hedgehog. <laughs> Okay, isn't there already a kind of sort of secret list of legally it's allowed to contain X amount of fly, X amount of sh- X amount of 
egg X yeah. amount of spark in any <laughs> yes always a little bit of Harry yeah it, it's just an inevitability of the food process you mm. can't keep everything out so no. it's only half of 0.0001% therefore that's within the guidelines you're allowed to have shit in your pies <laughs> <laughs> and whose fault is it I was watching Question Time the other day who's that knobhead who's the MP in Bradford these days George Galloway oh. was on there my mate George Galloway and he was talking about how it's the government's fault and the government, because they've sacked some food standard agency people in the last couple of years, so therefore they have to take responsibility, which is a stupid... Surely it's Finders' fault if they've got... And the bloke that bought the horse at the factory. Not that it was just one horse. It was like hundreds of thousands, apparently. Yeah, fields were. Yeah. Acres of horses. Horses disappearing up and down the country, nobody all noticing. Up, all over the show. But I don't know, even if you had, a th- you know, 10,000 food standard agents, you're never going to be able to find every factory. At some point, you've got to have faith in the bloke making the food, haven't you? Or yeah, the factory you would, making the food. You would think so, yeah. You're going to buy a bit of Finders. I mean, bearing in mind, they used to have Jean-Christophe Novelli, whatever his name is, who was the, the, the man. Kung Fu was, hero. That's him. Yeah. He was the man of, who was the face of Finders lasagna. That's right, yeah. I doubt whether he would have endorsed such a thing. If he thought that there was, but the French, the, the French enjoy eating bits of old mere anyway, don't they? <laughs> Isn't it a, a delicacy? Never lived in Bromley, so does everybody there. Bromley fried pony. Yep, love it. Let's do another one. Here's one from Tom Williams, who says, "Discuss highlights of your friendship." Well, firstly, he's assuming we, there are highlights, and secondly, he's assuming that we're friends. I've, I've really nothing to say on that. I only met Kev last week. <laughs> Been somebody else up till this point. I, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about the 20, 21st or 22nd yeah. sideshow, Kev, I think. Yeah, because McCoy was the 18th, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we uh, obviously worked together at Talk Radio, yes. which was the UK's first attempt at <laughs> a national commercial Speech station. At last, funnily enough. And last. That's the reality of it. Yeah. Nationally speaking, and last. And I know LBC, you can, you know, you can get via sort of apps and mm. uh, Sky and the like. So, it, you know, it can be listened to. But in fact, in terms of the government giving out a, a, a license, there's only ever been one, which is just criminal, frankly, that that's the case. Get rid of the first four or five weeks of the original talk radio. Which oddly was just before I arrived, yes. and uh, after that, it was a brilliant. It was a cracking listen. I mean, yeah. It had a lot of variety. It had some really good characters. It had some you know, great calls. It was different. It was fresh. It was unusual. It, it wasn't it wasn't particularly controversial. In you know, it didn't really you know things like and this is kind of strange how recent things are. You know, things like the debate of immigration. I don't think it even begun then. Interestingly, those kind of things didn't happen very. I don't remember Chisholm ever discussing immigration. Maybe he did, but I don't he remember it. He probably did. He was always banging on about some old shit, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Sure enough. From sea to shining sea. I mean, highlights of French, I don't know. There's been so much of it. I mean, I can tell you one of my highlights, one of my all-time favourite highlights of uh, stuff we did on air back then. Yep. And uh, forgive me if I've told this on the podcast before, but you'll know exactly where I'm going with this. The second I open my mouth on it, which I already have, we were doing something <laughs> about... Blue Peter, and you made a comment, you were talking to me on the air, and you made a comment about how the the Blue Peter Garden was vandalised, and in the Blue Peter Garden, there was a statue of Petra, uh, which was, like, you know, destroyed and knackered. 
And you said, who was it, Kev? It was like, I can't remember, it was somebody, wasn't it? It was like... There was a suggestion of a famous footballer. Uh, yeah, or, or squaddies or something. He said, yeah. do you know who it was? And I, I sort of went very quiet, and then I went, a jealous Shep. <laughs> and the thing was, I said it and died, almost literally, and you cracked up. Yep. And we had music running underneath it, and we had to put it up because we just couldn't say anything. I know. For about four minutes. And it, it probably loses a lot in translation. Well, yeah, but the you know any Blue Peter garden vandalising story was always of of interest for, for verbal fodder. Vandals broke into the Blue Peter garden and caused rather a lot of damage. And one really cruel thing they did was to pour fuel oil into the fish pond. What would Joey Deacon have to say about that? Joey says <laughs> he's very d- disappointed that, that the, anything so beautiful as a garden could be vandalised by... Yeah, he's got no opinion on it, frankly. <laughs> he never went out in the garden. <laughs> Who was the translator? Who was that man? Well, get him on. He can be our first guest back next week. Yeah. He's probably still speaking for Joey. <laughs> Let's do another. Uh, this comes from uh, Billy the Kid in Aberdeen via Twitter. Can you once and for all talk us through what you consider to be sauna etiquette well, number one try not to get bu- <laughs> if you can wise poss- words if you can possibly avoid it unless you go specifically uh, and I've never understood this I genuinely do not understand how heterosexuals do not have what homosexuals have open to them and that is essentially just a parlour off the high street where you can go and have a f- yeah and this is something that I think most heterosexual blokes would secretly quite... I mean, swing, don't get into swingers clubs and all the rest of it. It is not the same thing. I've had mates who are journalists who've done articles on swingers clubs. One mate went to Sheerness, okay, which is in Kent, and off he went to do this piece on swingers. And he went to this swingers club, and it was essentially, you know, one woman who coincidentally had one tooth, and her <laughs> husband, and they were there, and some other uh, old couple showed up. And they're in a bar and it's like, oh dear, oh, that's not a good turnout today, is it? Should we just all have a bit of a nosh and go home? Um, it was dreadful. Bit of a nosh? <laughs> Blimey. Oh, yes. And he was meant to be doing a story on this. <laughs> so. Whereas in the gay world, you can actively seek out people you would genuinely like to have sex with and have sex with them. Right. Uh, but sauna etiquette, yes, a couple of things you don't do in a sauna. One is don't eat while you're in the sauna. People nope. do t- t- tend to take fruit in there. Which in a room that is essentially a because I love a, a sauna. Well, the, the gym I go to, you go for a, a swim, and the sauna it's a huge sauna. It's like a family thing, and you come straight out the pool and you walk into the sauna. It sort of overlooks the pool, so it's all really nice, big glass fronted thing. But people do still do strange things. They they lay in strange ways. There's the man that does his sort of aerobic exercises in front of the whole sauna which is a very odd thing to do mm. in front of people, in a place that's meant to be a relaxation. Don't talk loudly. There's another one. People who just walk into a place, you've got five people laid down, essentially, as far as you're concerned, asleep, and two cackling old c**toids <coughs> come walking in and start giving it large about what happened at Upton Park the night before. Shut up! So don't do that. Don't eat. Don't bum. And just, <laughs> just uh, relax. Yes, that's all you need to know, really. Sauna etiquette. I have nothing else to say. That's amazing. You want to do one more? Yeah, should we do one more each? Yeah, go on. Uh, let's uh, let's just pop over here. Oh, it's a bit stuck. Hang on. Paper jam error. Oh, hang on. WD-40? Back to saunas. 
I don't even know what the f*** that means. <laughs> Jim said, what would the country be like if the Splink organization took over, led by Collins, Kev and A-Funk? <laughs> Probably in a much worse state than it already is with the coalition government, I would suggest. Oh, stop it. Let me tell you about the coalition government, yeah. my friends. That and socialism. Is Chris Hewn in jail yet? Uh, should he be? I can't possibly comment. Well, let's not then. We don't <laughs> need any more legal troubles after a couple of weeks ago. No, not after that. No. Yeah. What would we do if we ran the country then, Kev? Is that the question? Well, you'd have to do... Uh, I mean, obviously, you'd have to do things with regard to uh, you know, keeping Scotland happy because of the whole independence thing. Uh, I'm not saying they should be independent because, you know, I've got to be honest folks if you want to listen to this podcast to find out whether or not scotland should be independent you're kind of listening to the wrong podcast and you've probably got the wrong idea no, hang on a second. let me just tell you something about scotland independence it's a palpably ridiculous idea the same as english independence would be a ridiculous idea we are a country the size of a postcode even if you include controversial some might say northern ireland in this so far we have remember how big we are compared to like france we have four governments right four governments right yeah. now you've got the welsh assembly the scottish government Scottish government do me a favour it's a county council and essentially the chief councillor is Alex Salmond and he's the fella running the show and stuff there's one in Wales and then there's the Westminster Parliament and of course the Northern Irish Assembly there as well four count that four administrative bodies at the cost of I do not know what to run four of those that's four lots of expenses on the fiddle. That's four lots of government cars. That's four lots of volivons as soon as somebody opens a door in the council chamber. That's four lots of assistants. That's four lots of offices. That's four lots of civil servants. It's a waste of bloody money. It's ridiculous. And then, of course, the strange thing is that the likes of Alex Salmon, duh, have all spent years on you know, this one policy thing of, you know, we can get, we should get out, we should not be ruled by Westminster. It's too far away. And Westminster do not know what goes on here in Scotland. Brilliant. So what are you going to do, Alex, when you get elected? We're going to dissolve powers to Brussels. <laughs> what are you, some kind of... <laughs> so Westminster was just too far away, but Brussels is sort of all right. It is ridiculous. My notion is solely a romantic one and a pragmatic one. It's an utter waste of money... It's, you know, Scotland, Wales, England, Northern Ireland. You know, it's one gaff, and it should be run as such. It makes more sense. And while we're on that subject, by the way... It's a triangle of death! <laughs> no arguments for me on that one, Kev. Let's do one more. Nick in Dover. The media is up its own arse. Discuss, please. <sighs> is it? Yeah, I suppose it is a bit. I don't know. How, though? I'll give you an example of how it is. The Booker Prize winner, Hilary Mantel. Mantel. Yes. She made some comments about Kate Middleton. She's the brunette uh, girl who's going to marry the king or something. And oh, yeah, that's it. No, well, yeah. she's already married to the future king. And she's, she's married to the king. Siring the lizard offspring, according to David Icke, I believe. And she, yeah, and she made, some, she made some comments, some disparaging comments about Kate Middleton being a sort of plastic princess or she was born to breed and, and Diana Light or something like that. Um, now, firstly, I don't know who the Hillary Mantel is, frankly, and I don't reckon most people do either. 
But she's a Booker Prize winner. Mm-hmm. That's clearly a great accolade to have. Congratulations for getting it. I don't know where that sits in the significance of worldly literary awards. I don't know what it means to your book sales. And I don't know what it means in terms of how good you are, to be honest. You know, there is, as we were saying about the Adele thing, a lot of these things do work on a kind of rolling perception that once it takes hold, you're, you know, you are brilliant. Is she Charles Dickens? Is she William Shakespeare? Is she Jackie Collins? I've got no frigging idea. Is she William Shatner or Phil Collins? But either way, what I'm pretty sure about is that nobody, when they kick their quilt off the bed in the morning, thinks, you know, I must go and buy a Hilary Mantel novel. <laughs> nobody thinks that. So why was some comment she makes on Kate Middleton, and I'm not aware that she's a particular um, voice of regal matters, why did that make a, a, a talking point on every single news bulletin? So that's a classic case where the media is absolutely up its own arse. Because it was the media discussing a story that is sort of of interest to the media. And it might well have provoked a debate on some phone-in programmes about, do you agree with Hillary Mantel? But it's what? why are you citing that as a news story? That's not a news story. It's just an opinion of, a, of an author. So however successful she may or may not be, that's all it is. Cracking example of something. You can just see somebody coming into work, having got, you know, read the, the Guardian that morning and discombobulated on the tube, thinking, oh, my God, have you seen what Mantell's been saying about our Kate? And suddenly, you know, drop, hold the front page, drop the agenda. Let's talk about this. I'm telling you, from start to finish, nobody gives a toss. But it was right up there on the agenda for that day. No triangle, I noticed. Thank you. It's broken now. I'll have to get some super glue and stick it together again. Should we go to the pub? I think we should. Can you take that machine with you as well? Yeah. Drop it back off at the market on the way. <laughs> I think I'll get rid of it. I think you should. Oh, there is one other thing we have to do, though. Yes. Oh, I'm going to stick around for it for once. Credit stream. And that, as they like to say, everybody, is that. 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 Finished. The end of the... Experiment. Yeah, that. Are we just going to speak alternate... Things. Words. And... Stuff. That's fine. Uh, thanks to you for downloading this. Uh, d- make sure you go to five star. <laughs> and drop us an iTunes review. Rain or shine, go to five star <laughs> and give us a review. Uh, <laughs> download us at Stitcher or Stitcher.com slash once a word. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us too on Twitter. It's at Sideshow underscore Kev or at Ian Collins UK. And today's Chunky Fat comes curse. <laughs> There is no chunky fat. Is that it? How many people died in the Great Fire of London, Kev? I don't know. How many people died in the Great Fire of London? Have a guess to the nearest 1,000. Have a guess. 1,001. Six people. Huh? There's a fact. Six people. Well, there you go. Only six people died. Catering, as ever, was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. Back on the cream horns again. Yes, yeah, very nice they look too. They're much better than they They have been recently. We are. They could be no worse. We'll be back next week when the features return. And the guests return. The shoebox. Yeah, what? Shoebox. Oh, stop it. It's important. Goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. <laughs> Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty that'll last longer than most governments. It was from this sort of era when the BBC were making comedy stars. Yes. Like uh, three of a kind. When you had Lenny Henry, who went on to be big, Tracy Ullman, who for a time was massive in the States. Huge. And David Copperfield, who went on to become a very successful magician, of course. Copperfield? Yeah. 
part of three of a kind. Where, where did Copper feel? He did end up doing kids' TV for a little while. Lift off with Coppers and Co. Is that right? He was right. Coppers. I do remember, well, obviously. It wasn't Co, was he? No. Co. No, that was Sebco. Yes. Like it that. was a strange fit for kids' TV back then. That was some... a strange combination. And if that wasn't enough, they then trampled on the bedding plants as well. 